Hey guys, uh, Gav here. Today I have the privilege of talking to a man that I, uh, I greatly admire. He's a friend and has had a huge impact on my life personally. And I'm genuinely uh, so excited that uh, we can speak to him and hear some of his wisdom uh, as he speaks. Uh, today I'm speaking to Dr. Grant Bickerton. Grant is a psychologist with over 15 years of experience in Christian ministry uh, with Power to Change. Uh, Grant is currently working in a member care department of Power to Change applying findings from his research at the University of Western Sydney, investigating the organizational, psychological, and spiritual variables that promote work engagement and personal well-being among Australian Christian workers. He's a registered member of the Psychological Board of Australia, the Australian Psychological uh, Society, and the Christian and Psychological Interest Group. Uh, his psychological areas of speciality include burnout and well-being at work, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, alcohol and other drug dependencies and abuse, behavioral addictions such as pornography and gambling, and the interface of psychology and religion. His research has been published in a variety of peer-reviewed psychological journals spanning organizational psychology and the psychology of religion and spirituality, and he's just a great guy. Um, Grant, thank you so much for your time today, mate. That's a big intro for you there. Oh, I was, was going to say, I feel totally intimidated, but then I thought, you know, my, my, my computer's not plugged in, it's running out of power. So that's just great. You know, bring me down to a, <laughs> the reality is I can't even plug my computer in properly. That's my big drama. Right, yeah, it's, uh, we, I, as I said, I'm super excited to hear you to share some wisdom. We, we've had a video of you just sharing some stuff of, of how people are coping uh, in this time and some tips they've, uh, they need to hear during this time. And so we wanted to have a bit of interview with you, get a bit of extended, um, uh, your words extended and so we can hear uh, from you. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Uh, maybe maybe just, just to, to, to kick off, maybe intro yourself, family, job, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So uh, like Gavin said, like um, I, I serve with a Christian ministry called Power to Change. And it used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, uh, but, you know, really Camp Power to Change is an organisation that's really wanting to connect people to Jesus and each other. It's in the work in um, different areas of, of society, universities, uh, campuses mostly. I wanted to be involved in evangelism, discipling, and helping people get to know Jesus and then get together and talk about how they can live that out and multiply that in their own lives. My wife, Catherine, and I, um, uh, we, uh, when we got married, I was working as a psychologist, having finished studying psychology. Um, uh, and after working for a couple of years, we decided that we wanted to join with Power to Change. And that was because we had some experiences overseas, uh, wanting to, uh, where, we, where we actually just saw um, the need of people to know Jesus personally. And so we jumped and started to work with Power to Change at Macquarie University primarily. And we just did that for the next 10 years of our lives. During that time, we were focusing on evangelism, discipling at Macquarie University. And then um, yeah, we had we had some kids during that time. I have three children um, now. Their uh, ages are 17, 15 and 13. Um, and so that, that's what's going on for us at home. And over that time, I just did see uh, friends and other people in Christian ministry not doing that well. And that's where I went back to doing some research and then transitioned my role to serving down here um, with... Um, uh, with the headquarters of Power to Change, uh, really looking to apply some of that research among our um, missionaries and then 
beyond. I still do some research in, in this area uh, with Excelsior College, actually, Maureen Minor, um, uh, we, we still do some uh, work together. Uh, and I, and I, I do also have some, uh, provide psychological services for different Christian organisations and um, yeah, ministries. And, and you still practice as a psychologist as well on the side or not at all? Or? Yeah, yeah. So, so for, 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 for Christian ministries, um, yeah. I do a, a range of different psychological services for people going into ministry and, and people who are in ministry as well. Yeah, great. Um, so you're, you're a psychologist. Uh, you're also a follower of Jesus. Um, can you tell us uh, how these two things, if they do, in your experience, fit together or are they yeah. opposed? Yeah, um, it, it's, and that's a, it's a really interesting question. Gavin. I wasn't really aware of the huge divide. Yeah. Um, but my experience of, of studying psychology is in terms of the research evidence, I've, I've never found anything uh, from my perspective that has dissuaded me um, away from what God's word says as well. So in terms of the research evidence, I, I don't have any, any problems. Yes, there's theoretical assumptions in some thoughts of, of psychology that probably don't um, uh, match with the biblical worldview. But in terms of my own practice, um, I, I've actually found it super helpful. I suppose I see that uh, God has made us as holistic beings. We're physical beings, emotional beings, social beings, spiritual beings. And you can't tease those things apart, but in some ways you can look at things from different perspectives. So, for example, um, why does a kettle boil? Uh, well, someone who has a lot of understanding on, on physics, they might go into all these kinds of explanations as to why the kettle boiled. But someone who actually had an interest in understanding the motivations of people might say, well, because I wanted to make you a cup of tea. So the reasons why the kettle boiled is many and various, and you can look at them from different perspectives. They're not necessarily mutually contradictory. And I suppose that's what I do see when I study God's word. Um, and when I look at people from a psychological perspective, there are psychological processes that go on. Um, and I think that's legitimate to look at that from, uh, from that psychological science perspective. Yeah. But of course, there, there is going to be some disagreements and some applications of theory, um, but I would say that they're, they're, uh, that's, that's not, that's not the, the, the essence of my, my conflicts. Yeah. yeah. Now, mate, as you look around at the moment, as you observe people, culture, you read the news, um, in, in, your, in your opinion, why do you think the, all that's happening with COVID-19 is causing so much fear and anxiety? Mm. Uh, well, well let, I suppose, let's face it, people uh, in our generation um, uh, are going through uh, a, a, an era of unprecedented change uh, that is associated with this pandemic that actually has infected virtually every part of our lives um, or impacted, not infected, bad use of word, impacted all aspects of our lives, really. And so with that impact comes change. Um, and those changes can have a variety of uh, a variety of consequences. For some of us, I dare say, some of those changes have been experienced as maybe some kind of positive challenge. 
you know, for some people, this has brought about um, some fresh creativity. How am I going to engage with people in this during this new medium? How can I access different skills or resources to, to make things happen? Maybe there's some positive stuff too in terms of just changes to do with at home. I know in my family, we're not running around as much. There's, there's not basketball, there's not dance, there's not all these other things. So actually there's actually more time with family, which can be experienced actually as a positive change. So there's going to be some, some, some consequences of this um, that results in some kind of positive change and challenge. Yep. Also with this has come about a variety of losses because of such the mammoth change it is. Maybe for some of us, we're experiencing some loss in terms of uh, a degree of safety or security. With all that's happened, maybe we feel like we've lost a degree of security. Maybe I'm wondering, am I going to come through this okay physically? Will I get ill? Or maybe will I come through this okay uh, in terms of relationally? The pressure in my family and or other relationships, will I come through that okay? Will we break up? Or maybe there's some pressure or a sense of loss of security there. Definitely, maybe for most of us, there's a loss of security in terms of vocationally or financially. Will I come to this? So, so in some ways, one of the big impacts of this change has been a, maybe a sense of loss of security or safety. There's also another area is a big loss in terms of relationships. We're not relating the way we used to do. Maybe there's some people that we were close to we're no longer close to because we're just not relating like we have. Or even when we do relate, it's just not quite the same. I feel like I feel like it's actually when we relate on Zoom, it just reminds me all that I'm missing, actually. So there's probably a sense of loss of relationships, let alone when maybe loved ones um, um, pass away. And maybe they live in a different state or maybe even a different country. And the impediment of grieving over that loss of relationship is very different. So a loss of sense of security, maybe, maybe a loss of sense of uh, relationship, maybe a loss of a sense of competence. There's changes that have occurred with COVID that maybe bring us into question of, can I still do what I thought I should be doing? Mm. Maybe there's, there's job tasks that I'm struggling to do as well. Maybe I was struggling beforehand. Now I've got to do it all online. Um, Maybe there's other areas of competence in life that I'm feeling like with this COVID changes, I just don't feel as competent. Maybe I'm grieving that sense of loss of competence. And maybe even there's a sense of loss for some of us in terms of our, our meaning or our purpose. Maybe we have deeply held, cherished convictions that we want our life to be on about, or maybe visions or desires that we thought we would be doing this year, and now they're gone. Well, why did that happen? Or, 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 or I've lost this sense of what I was aiming for. So, so what's happened with this COVID pandemic isn't just the actual thing, but it's actually massively changed our lives. Now, that can initially feel a bit stimulating, you know, all the change, you're getting used to it. But as the weeks run on, the initial energy to embrace the change, well, that probably wears out, we wear out. And then all of these other senses of loss or challenge, that all increases stress. Mm. And so it's almost like all of our general stress levels are all up. So stress is a cumulative experience. And, you know, we, 
usually maybe we might average around the three to five out of 10. If you can imagine stress as being like a out of 10, we usually probably go through our days on threes and fives. And maybe there's something big happens and it spikes us maybe over our red line that might be around seven. Or maybe there's just other little things that come in and we kind of can negotiate them. If I'm doing three out of 10, I'm in a traffic jam. Well, maybe it'll push me to a six, but I've got room to, to cope. At the moment though, our baseline has moved probably from three to five to maybe everyone's up probably a little higher, seven, six and a half. And what that means is if we're all running a little bit hotter because of all these changes that are around and uncertainty, it doesn't take much for me to just pop into that red zone. Maybe it's that extra email from my boss asking me to do something or someone spills something on me or whatever it is. And all of a sudden I see myself reacting with, with incredible irritability or rage or, or hopelessness or whatever, all of a sudden I'm reacting a lot stronger. And that's probably all because of the changes, all of our stress levels are just a, that, that much higher. So it doesn't take much for us to tip over into the kind of red zone. Mm. So that, that's why we need to just extend grace to us a little bit. Mm, so helpful. It's just blah, um, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, forgive me. No, super helpful your read on this. Um, just, just a step back for a second. I love to hear your your insights on on what anxiety is. I know it's, that's a very broad term, um, but maybe we'll, we'll, we'll go towards more of the, the clinical anxiety. Um, maybe maybe just um, uh, tell us how is anxiety different from normal day worry? Mm. You know, is, is there a yeah, yeah, it's really important to say. So so there's a few words that are very closely together at least in terms of the underlying psychological process words like um, stress worry anxiety fear mm. they're all kind of in the same ballpark there's some there's some differences but basically there's a similar process that goes on and i want to make it very clear stress and anxiety fear and worry they're not bad things um, in and of themselves they're not bad things they're good things it's actually how our body tells us that there's something going on that's not maybe good and it prepares us to act. Anxiety has a very positive function uh, for us as humans as preparing us to act, to focus our mind, to get us energy and ready to, to act or to, to engage with something. It becomes a problem, however, when that feeling or that sense does not go away. Um, stress or anxiety or whatever it is it's like a it's like a switch that switches on that that's meant to get our system ready to do something to engage with either a threat or a challenge or, or, or something but if if that issue isn't dealt with or we don't act or 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 if it's kind of vague or if if that if that switch is left on it becomes a problem that's when anxiety becomes an issue in people's lives. So either A, um, the experience of anxiety is at, at a chronic state or, a, uh, or extreme acute state, that's going to cause problems. And, and secondly, it, it's that it's going to impact on my life. So when does anxiety become a problem? When it doesn't go away. And also when I'm noticing it's beginning to impact my life. So maybe I'm not 
able to engage with different parts of my life because I'm, I'm avoiding things, I'm fearful about something. Maybe I'm unable to do my duties during my normal week or I'm not engaging in different social activities because of the anxiety. Mm. They're the two big indicators that probably that's worthwhile getting some help about, I'd say. What, what does anxiety do to the body? So emotionally, um, physically, what happens in the brain to, to if you understand, understand, understand that? So the experience of anxiety is, um, is there's a number of very uh, common um, uh, predictable uh, experiences. So it's the body's getting itself ready to act and focus. That's what goes on. So it, it, the body secretes um, adrenaline in the brain, um, uh, which kind of enables us to, to kind of probably breathing a little bit shallower. Uh, oxygen kind of gets redistributed to the more skeletal muscles for us to act and actually probably leaves the brain a little bit. So it's harder to concentrate. Mm. Um, our field of view focuses in on stressors. So it's harder to be creative or think laterally or, or think well, actually. It's just with, it's almost tunnel vision is what stress mm. We want to focus on something and deal with something. Um, uh, there's probably carbohydrates secreted from the liver, so it kind of messes up our our digestive system. We don't eat. Eating gets a bit funky. There's a number of those different things. Also, what can happen is that we have much greater mood fluctuations, or we get stuck with some kind of um, more traditional um, anxious or depressed uh, emotions as well. So, so that's kind of the, that's the felt experience of stress, but it's probably important to say that anxiety or stress actually is a process, not just that experience. Mm. Anxiety actually is a process between my interacting with the environment and my interpreting the environment. Um, but that's, that's a little bit away from, from the question. Yeah. Uh, so, so really helpful to, to think about, you know, what anxiety does and, and we might get to towards the end if someone is experiencing this, what they should do. But just if, if, if just say you're, if you live with someone with anxiety or you're supporting someone with anxiety, what can that support person do to, to help that person who is experiencing these symptoms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'd probably go back to the idea that, that anxiety is the interaction between a person and their environment. So with all anxiety or stress, there's something going on in the environment that's probably the source of the problem. We'll call that like the stressor. Mm. It's the list of things to do or it's the concern or it's the event or it's the conflict or it's the whatever it is. There's something in the environment that's like the cause of all those experiences. But we also interpret that. We think about that. We view it from a particular way. Now, now, how we think or view the stressor actually can have a big exacerbating effect as well. And then there's all those felt experiences. So I'd actually say, if you're wanting to help someone uh, with anxiety, you can actually do that in those each of those three ways. So I would say one thing would be to try to help someone think about what actually is the issue here. Mm. The thing, the practical thing in the environment that's the source of the concern. Finance, I'm worried about paying the bills. I'm worried about my job. I'm worrying about you know, little Johnny and studying, doing the HSC. I'm worried. So what's the thing? What's the thing in the environment that's the cause of the stress? Now, I know there might be lots of them, but let's pick one at a time. 
And I, I'd probably want to say, um, let's be clear about what's the thing and is there some way we could brainstorm together to do something about that? Mm. Can we change that in some way? Is there a con if it's a conflict, what could we do to help maybe address that or bring it up or to do something? If you can change or engage the stressor in some way, that is going to have a big impact on your felt experience of stress. Maybe you also might want to think about if, if we can't do anything or I don't think I can do anything, is there some other resource that we could employ that could help you cope with that? I was speaking with a friend last week and he was talking about with a couple of his bosses, he feels like they're going in that direction and he's going in that direction. And it's a great source of, of strain for him. And I was saying, well, is there some way you could get together and just try to figure out what is a common purpose that you could work towards? And, and, and that, they, they felt like they, they, they couldn't do that. They tried that, it hadn't worked. And it was like, well, is there someone else who you know who might be skilled at doing that who could help you? And for him, he's like, yeah, I could do that. His stress level dropped with the mere thought of actually doing something positive or proactive about that. That's one thing, focus on the stressor. Secondly, it'd be worthwhile actually allowing the person to talk out what is it, what is it about that stressor that's so concerning. Mm them to talk that out well it's because if that happens what if this happens and what if that happens and you know what yeah. what that would mean about me would be then this this this, this. yeah maybe they did that because of, uh, so, so allowing people to talk that out and then not in a critical way but just trying to encourage them to say you know is there any other way you could think about that situation is there really any evidence that when they didn't say hello back they were just blanking you yeah is there some other way you could think about that? So trying to help people uh, revise maybe or not sit as, as tightly to their own necessary interpretations of the stressor. That, that can really help. That's second, the second step. And then the third step would be actually trying to give people a break from that feeling, all that feeling of stress. Yeah. So maybe it's worthwhile trying to help them engage in activities that might give them a break particularly some activities that might generate some positive emotions because positive emotions actually replenish our energy in ways in which stress takes away energy. And so trying to help them engage in some, some laughter or joy or thankfulness or hope or, um, and also maybe getting them to take a couple of deep breaths to get some oxygen back up in your brain, that's always going to help. Um, so there's, there's a few ways of maybe trying to, trying to encourage someone with stress uh, in those three ways. Now, I just want to make a little disclaimer. Yep. Um, um, if you're struggling with stress, what Gavin and I are talking about today is not actually professional advice. We're just having a conversation. Um, if you have real concerns about stress, we might talk about this a bit later, but, but definitely I would say you need to access the appropriate professional help for the appropriate issue. Yeah. And so that's just a little disclaimer. This isn't. And that was my question going to be. So you, you said it's helpful to um, identify the source of the anxiety. Um, if someone has been stuck in a loop, which I know I have been, um, and, how, and we don't really know what is the cause of that, what is the process to identifying what is the stressor or the cause of anxiety? What, how do we begin that process of figuring it out? Um, well, usually it's going to be something in the environment. 
of that's actually that's actually precipitated a concern. And so, um, that, again, that's where maybe it is helpful to speak to a professional about that. Yeah. Identify what is the issue. Um, and uh, so, like I said before, like if if you have anxiety that is not switching off, or two, um, you're noticing that that this is starting to impact the way you're living your life or relating to other people. That's they're probably really important indicators that maybe I should seek some professional assistance. Yeah. And in our country, in Australia, the way we do that is we first go to our GP. And the GP then is able to make a referral um, to the appropriate allied health professional that could give you some help in that. Yeah. The other thing to say about, um, about that kind of help too is that there are some online resources that you could investigate. Beyond Blue is a really well-funded and well-put-together website um, that has lots of really helpful resources. They have helplines and all kinds of stuff on that, um, as well as just information anyone can, can pick up and read. So th th that's another really helpful resource. Yeah. If someone, you know, is listening to this or the whole COVID experience has caused them anxiety to grow, uh, what are some things that they, they should be doing to try and manage this anxiety that's been caused by this COVID Situation. I know I saw I saw a video you do. We did, I think you did four or five things about how much you listen and use those sort of things. Maybe you can just just give us some some help on on what to be doing in this time um, uh, to maybe decrease the stressors or the stress in our lives. Yeah. So usually I, I would talk about well to do that. There's probably some offensive maneuvers and some defensive maneuvers. Yeah. And defensive maneuvers would be things around trying to maybe limit your exposure to the stressors. Um, so if you're listening to lots of stuff about COVID, lots of opinions, lots of, um, oh, what I heard is going to happen is this and that or the other, um, that's probably going to just keep triggering the anxiety, the anxious or oh, the stress process. So I'd say definitely limit that. that that's one important defensive manoeuvre. The second defensive manoeuvre is just being careful that your thinking isn't running away with you. You're not running away with yourself. In yeah. you, you, for me, that's almost like mental time travelling where I'm living my life out in the feared, imagined future while yeah. I'm full of regrets. If only I hadn't left my work then or hadn't done. So beware of getting way up in your mind and living too much in the future and past and not focusing on um, God's present moment today. That's the, and then, um, then thirdly, then, then usually there's those also those usual self-help kinds of things. So watching what you're eating, getting some exercise each day, trying to reduce stress and relax and getting having good sleeping patterns. They're like basic defensive maneuvers to kind of manage stress. And the offensive maneuver, I would say it'd be worthwhile It'd be worthwhile just going back and maybe with your in, in a spiritual community or in your own experience with God or relationship with God to be just revising what really does matter in life. Mm. What matters in my life now? Even given this terrible situation where things have been lost and I am grieving and feeling uncertain, what still matters in my life? And so trying to articulate and, and re-clarify those, um, either in a spiritual community, in a, you know, your Christian community, or just in your own relationship with God, 
coming to some personal convictions, that can then help me identify how can I keep moving in a way that is very helpful. So the, the classic text for that really is in Matthew 6, where Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, talking about don't worry. So he says, I tell you, do not worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. The pagans run after those things and your heavenly father, he knows you need them. So that's don't worry. But it's, then he goes on and says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you as well. So the idea there is that it's, it's not just defensive, but it's, there's an offensive move there. There's a seeking first his kingdom. Now, what does that mean uh, in your context at this time? That's actually a really important question that can help us keep moving um, in a positive moving forward manner, um, not just in terms of defensive manoeuvres. Both of those are, are important. Yeah. Um, you talked about offensive and defensive. I know for me, who I've struggled with anxiety and I'm open about that. Often, as you mentioned, that idea of, of predicting the worst case scenario, as I call it, a prophet of doom, right? You become that prophet of doom. Um, a lot of the anxiety is played up in the mind. Any help on how to control those thoughts, on how to not, you know, we've talked before about a well-worn well path in our neurological pathways. How do, we, how do we change that pattern of thinking or at least challenge it or slow it down? Yeah, first, so that's the key thing. I think firstly, it's about slowing it down, finding a way that I can A, slow it down and recognise um, what are my characteristic or habitual or automatic thoughts. Um, and so a traditional way of doing that might be to kind of keep a bit of a log where I feel like I'm a thought log, where I feel like I'm spiralling or caught up in my head just trying to write down what actually is going on. Now, I know for me, when I do that and I write down what's going up here, I feel embarrassed. Yeah. When I write down, I'm like, oh, man, Grant, how did you think that? But I do think that. But when it's up here, I don't tend to challenge it. It's almost like it's not real, but I believe it. Yeah. When I start to write it down, I'm like, I would say that's the first step getting used to watching what's going on up here. And that can also allow me to kind of revise it or challenge it or, um, or to see maybe that's not quite right. I'm distorting yeah. what's going on around me in an unhelpful way. Once I get used to that, then there's other things that, that, that a person can do too. But I know for me, picking up a pen um, or writing it out, that really slows it down. There's a number of other thought apps. You can actually, there's apps for this kind of thing. Um, uh, there's, there's thought apps out there uh, that, that you can do it on your phone. But I know for me, with a pen, it just engages more of my brain. Again, Beyond Blue would have lots of resources on, on how to do that. Yeah, yeah, and I love what you said, being that being more present in, in, in God's moment in front of you, which helped you to slow that down, which I've always appreciated you say to me. Uh, last question, I know you've given a lot of your time. I want to thank you so much for that. Last question, though. But for, for you as a follower of Jesus, how, how does God and his, and his word offer help to the worried and anxious person? Yeah. Uh, well, again, I'll just go back to those, the, the, the process, and I think about it in terms of that. So um, there's a, quite a bit of research about this as well. Mm. Research has showed that, that um, uh, 
there's a lot of religious instruction that helps people reduce their stressors, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that would be one thing to think about. When I Again, when I can identify what's the stressor, well, I would ask the question, does God's word give us any hints as to what we could do about that? What would be some practical ways to, to address that? Um, and there's probably is teaching in God's word that can help me maybe proactively address that. There's lots of stuff in Proverbs about avoiding certain things or doing certain things. Um, you know, Paul writes about managing conflict in terms of, um, you know, speaking truth and love. There's whole lots of stuff about that. So when I would say, if you can pick the stressor, is there anything going on that would help me? Uh, what does God's word say to that? So in the in your community of believers, like what are the, those who have the gift of teaching? What are they? How do they expound the word that relates to that? And, that's one thing, instruction, religious instruction. Secondly, about managing those physiological effects and emotional effects, there's lots of research that's shown that people who are part of a Christian community, uh, engaging in social support from that Christian community, um, derive significant benefit from that in reducing stress. Uh, spiritual disciplines are also very, very helpful. 1 Peter says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Yeah. There's lots of spiritual discipline stuff that can actually help you reduce your stress um, uh, um, in, in a very helpful way. Uh, granted, in this current climate, things are different. We don't meet like we usually do. Uh, but still, um, Christian community and spiritual disciplines are really helpful, um, providing extra resources to help manage strain. But it's that middle section around our thinking where, um, where, where actually God's word is, is really helpful. God's word just doesn't give kind of like proof text to hold on to. It actually gives a worldview, mm. gives a new way of thinking about this world that is God's world, that where there's a creator, there's a sustainer, and there's one who is presently at work in this world to bring it to its point of of um, teleos, of end goal, of, of making a new heaven, new earth rejoined. So it actually has a worldview that can help me when I'm kind of spiraling out of control. So Paul talks about um, you know, uh, taking every thought captive and making it obedient unto Christ. Mm. Romans 12 about um, uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. What he's talking about is actually learning how do I see and interpret and engage this world from God's perspective, not just my habitual thinking. That's a really, really helpful way. Because as I approach the world with the idea that there is a loving God who I can know personally through Jesus, who actually lives in me by the, by the Holy Spirit, that changes the way I look at this world. But not only that, the idea about having him present with me also makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, it's often said that, you know, do not worry or, or fear not. Um, don't be afraid. They are the most commonly reoccurring commands in the Bible. Yeah. But usually when they occur, just before or after, Yahweh or Jesus or God says, for I'm with you. Some phrase assuring us of the presence of God as well. 
Now that changes, even if I'm looking at the world and I'm seeing it as legitimately threatening, it really is scary. The idea of having God's personal presence with us changes the equation. So there are a couple of key ways in which having a sense of knowing God in a personal way can really bring about an increased sense of security um, as we seek to live out that worldview. In addition to engaging positively, um, the stressor itself and managing the back end strain. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, I could sit and listen to you all day. I've said that to you before. I, I love your wisdom and I love your humility and your love of Jesus just comes out of you. And I want to say thank you so much for your time, for your thoughts, for for doing this today. I'm sure so many people will be blessed by by what you've said today. So thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Gab. It's lovely to, lovely to see you on the, on the screen. Yeah, I look forward to chatting soon with you. Hey, we're, we're back here at 11 and 4 o'clock on Sunday. Tune in. Hope to see you on Sunday. Have a great week. God bless.